Okay, so where were we? Uh, you were talking about Florida. Yeah, I think yep. I got through the citrus growers. Citrus, citrus growers, growers yeah. yeah. So fuck citrus uh, is what you're saying. So fuck yeah. citrus. Stop drinking orange juice. Drink more whiskey. All right. It was kind of interesting because we we brought up the point that Trump taxes or puts a tariff on steel. Everyone's threatened to put tariffs on whiskey and orange juice in particular. Yep. Um, to which the Florida delegation said, well, we actually don't export that much anymore. We're pretty much solidly domestic. Um, that was amazing to me. I, where's Germany getting their orange juice from? But why? Why Germany? Why did he specifically? Go that's what he Germany? said. He was talking oh. about Germany. So. <laughs> the Germans I love the yeah. orange juice. Hey, Shazza and orange juice. Colton Weinstein was he trying to specify something with his comeback yeah, right. Germany? Listen, man, don't go pissing off German people. All right, Weinstein. <laughs> so then our last, our last meeting was Nevada, which was also kind of a funny one because. That senator is, you know, we're trying to talk him into um, gambling. Trying to talk him into gambling, trying to talk him into co signing onto the bill. And there's a sizable investment in distilling in Nevada because their laws just changed and they're making it easy to have more, you know, more distillery industries. Uh, and um, Bentley Heritage is going to be massive, which exactly. is a new distillery there. And the representative yeah. from Bentley Heritage yeah. is there. Yeah. So he was leading that meeting, and it was really interesting to watch because they were like, yeah, you know, we, we think we support it, but we really have to actually talk to the senator because he's Mormon, and he might not actually support oh, that. Oh, really? Like, Wait, was well, that in Nevada? Okay. I thought that was Utah you yeah. were talking about. Oh, no, it was okay. Nevada. The Nevada, Nevada? The Nevada, one of the Nevada senators is a Mormon. Mormon. Huh. Which, it. he already supports, you know, Vegas. Does he have, so like, 17 wives? I can't wives? imagine. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I, I mean, that's the perk of being Mormon, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, actually, drink, they so. uh, some of the people talked to Orrin Hatch, and the same situation with Orrin Hatch, basically, he said, I support you, I will sign on to this, but I cannot but I co-sign can't. it yeah. because I'm Mormon and I cannot support alcohol legislation. But if it's a part of so the tax I, bill, we'll sign on for sure. I can't support it, but I don't oppose it. Exactly. We heard a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. Ah, that's brutal. Come on, stop being such a puss. Yeah, Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't, I, I won't oppose it, but I can't support it. God, come on, have some fucking balls. I say this, again, worst politician ever <laughs> might be me. Like, yeah, I'm I, never going to have a career in politics. I'm pretty sure I'm never even going to have you, a career, but I was going to say, yeah. the part where you talked about raping children, I'm pretty sure that limits your, like, your, uh-uh, your, uh-uh. your job I selection. don't know that I ever said rape. I think it was all consensual stuff. Okay, okay, moving on. Let's quickly go over so we might do a full another episode on it but the the what the ttb was saying yeah you want to talk about the ttb more brian so we had during that breakfast they kicked it off with three representatives from the ttb uh teresa mccarthy who is an uh, assistant administrator uh, a guy named christopher uh uh, i may be saying that wrong and then uh tom hogue who is the congressional liaison in public and media affairs so those are the three people mainly it was teresa and christopher that talked uh teresa talked about 
uh, Colton may be able to sum it up a little better, but essentially she got up and basically talked about how the TTB is there to their regulators, but they want to do a good job regulating. They don't want to get distillers, so to speak. It's not about doing fines, doling out. They're not trying to shrink the industry. They're not trying to hold it back. Their big thing is they do want to see distilling succeed. So that was kind of the gist of her speech was we're here to help support as well as keep things safe and do our job collecting taxes and regulation and everything along those lines. And she took questions, and I thought it was really good back and forth. Uh, I know Courtney McKee at Headframe had a great question for her, basically saying, hey, one of our problems is for, like, label approval. We have no idea what your list of approved and not approved uh, nomenclature is in language, and you won't release it. Can you, if you won't do that, will you at least train us like you would train a new TTB agent, which I thought was a really, really good question. Uh, and she seemed yeah, open to Courtney, that. The ter- Go ahead, Colton. Courtney's question was essentially, can you just outline the steps you take for an audit? Which they essentially can we see that. And, right. she's, and they basically said no. immediately said no. No. <laughs> Why? No. And they said, we're not doing that. <laughs> because then we don't have a job. There's two reasons, I think. One so is I don't think they you. actually... Right. No, I I think it's because they don't necessarily have an outline because I think each agent does it differently. I mean, if you notice during label approval, you will get one agent to basically approve it, whereas a different one for the exact same label would reject it. It's very much. There are certain certain distilleries I know that will remain nameless that when we when they try to get label approval, they send five or six of the same labels in. Knowing yep. that five or six agents will look at it and one of them will get approved, and that's all you need. So. Beam Luntory. Yeah. <laughs> horse hair. <laughs> horse hair. Horse hair. Horse hair. Horse hair. Hair in my nether regions. It's coarse. <laughs> So yes, essentially they kind of cop to that. They know that's true. They know that it's there's a lot of misinformation and educational problems, educational gaps. They seem interested in resolving it. Their biggest problem is really funding. So they got a like a five percent uh, budget increase. Last year, I think, or maybe it was this year, which they pointed out some of the successes they've had. They they really were trying to drum up support by saying, "Hey, we've cut label approval by this. We've cut uh, permit." Which approval is true. By label approval is down to down to about ten days to two weeks. It's amazing. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Which it used to be on strike. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing distillers saying they were 90 days plus for label approval. And now, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I've heard people getting it like next day, which is unheard of. So that 5% budget increase had a huge impact on them. And one of the things they, they didn't go into it. Margie actually did that. They're kind of in danger right now of getting like upwards of a 7% cut to their organization, which would be just, that would be horrible. So we, we're we one of those weird industries where the more funding the regulatory body has, the better off our industry is. So that was part of think, it was kind of – I also think that that might actually come back to – our bill might come back to bite us in the end if we get this bill passed that saves us, you know, small distillers, a whole bunch of money but takes, you know, estimated 300 to $500 million out. They're immediately right. going to go and attack the TTB and say, "Well, this was your funding. This is what you know. You uh, made your buck. Your buck on." I don't know. 
I, my feeling that I'm not as worried about that is because I don't, TTB knew why we were there and I don't, I didn't get any sense that they were against the federal excise tax reduction. I don't think they would have been there speaking to us, giving us tacit approval for our lobbying effort. I mean, they, no, no, they no, obviously I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the TTB is gonna, is gonna cut whatever. I'm saying that the, the, the powers that, that be are, the, 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 yeah, are gonna look at, right. well, this bill took out a bunch this bill for distilling took out a bunch of money from the federal bank let's take that you know let's replace that with funding for our ttb maybe uh i think that would be insane i mean it's you're right the government doesn't always act rational but that would be a huge clusterfuck because essentially what you'd be doing then is you'd be cutting (laughs) cutting revenue or cutting the budget to the organization that administers and regulates an industry that will then boom because of this excise tax. So there'll be a shit ton more work to do and a lot less people to do that work. So that would be a a catastrophe. So I see your point, Colton. I don't think that would happen, but fuck, who knows? We're not, we don't deal with budgets on a governmental level. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's one of those things you could turn blue in the face thing about over and over. You can't rule it out. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I would not worry about that right now, right? You have your goal. You're trying to get this through. you got to pick your battles, right? Yeah. I think it's more important at this point to make sure the industry is sustainable and healthy as opposed to, I mean, TTB is important, but we got to, you know, that comes next, I think. So then the last thing with that meeting that I think is worth, is worth bringing up, which again, we could have a whole nother podcast on this, is Tom Hogue, the uh, public and media affairs guy. He got up just specifically to tell us about a new regulatory, um, essentially in Florida, they're cracking down on pay to play. They're doing it nationwide, but they're highlighting what they're doing in Florida right now, where there's been a series of cases in Florida where there's some producers that have been working, basically tied house rules, where they're doing pay to play. And now TTB is really, really enforcing that and they're cracking down on it. So he wanted to basically drum that up as a win, saying, hey, we're doing this because we know small producers cannot compete on the level of other big producers when it comes to pay to play and getting placements, shelf space, uh, endorsements, things like that that so that i thought was really interesting so colton i kind of wanted to both you guys what do you think about pay to play what do you think about that whole scenario does it matter does it not i'm curious about your perspective i mean obviously tide houses matter it's not a great a lot of especially the smaller craft distilleries just we can't afford pay to play i don't think I don't see the big guys doing it as much, but where I see pay-to-play actually becoming more of a problem is distributor side more than yeah. distillery side. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, shelf space. Shelf space is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, go buy a bourbon. Like, there's there's a ton to pick from, right? And it's like the real estate's going to happen. I always think of it as a, a, a beer, right? You think of, I mean, shit, it was called Beer Wars, that movie, and... Sam from Dogfish Head, you think about when he was talking about shelf space there. Yeah. And it's like people who are going to venture out, right? They're going to venture out and they're going to get something that someone's a pay to play and it might be whatever, not that great of a product. But that's their first time venturing out from their, you know, Jim Cream White or Buffalo Grace or whatever it is that they're drinking, right? And like <laughs> right. They, they, they reach Four out. Clovers. Yeah, Four Clovers. They went until so they reach out and they grab something different off the shelf and it's complete rubbish 
then they're like, well, why would I ever deviate from what I, and like at that point from that movie, what he said and say what you want about dogfish head, but you know, and totally different industry, but there is similarities and that kind of real estate. And you said endorsements too, which, yeah, I, I think that would definitely be impactful and it's kind of an unfair advantage. Yeah. I'd be really interested to see, to see that national, you know, he said they were going national with their enforcement laws to see what right. states in, um, franchise or franchise states or just like state run liquor stores how that pay to play works if you have a abc store what does pay to play look like there well oregon right. oh you're in washington that's right i mean we well we're an interesting case where we used to be a control state and then yeah. they voted actually to privatize us which is we could have a whole conversation about how that went which was great and terrible at the same time it's been devastating in terms of like taxes it's yeah your price points are rough like when you just Eject go us. as a consumer yeah i mean i know that whenever i worked in that small outfit in in oregon and we were trying to you know breaking into washington because that's logical right and right i think well speaking of this i think one of the interesting points that i didn't hear the entire weekend or week um I don't, maybe you did but you know, we had all these points that you know we'll save this amount of money that we can push back for jobs for for growth, but I didn't hear a lot of arguments of pass the savings on to the consumer. Do you think we no. should expect lower bottle prices if this tax no, goes no. through, or to expect no. higher margins? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think it's no small distiller. I shouldn't say it. Almost no small distiller would lower their price because of this. I think that's very, very unlikely because it just doesn't make sense right now. If you look at distilling, or I should say spirit sales on a national level, consistently year over year for the last like five, six years now, Discus puts out pretty good numbers. It's the premium and super premium categories that are doing well. Those value Price points are not doing well, and no small craft distiller is ever going to compete with a Schmirnoff. It's just not going to happen. No matter how good the taxes are, they cannot produce at those economies of scale. So it just doesn't make sense. Their best bet is to maintain that craft price point and try and increase their margins so that they can reinvest. I think 99% of craft 100,000 proof gallons or lower distillers are going to reinvest directly into their company. Um, is it possible that some of these savings for the big guys, they could look towards lowering the price point? Maybe. I think it's very, no. very unlikely, though. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, there you go. No. Yeah. Thank you. No, Okay. Drop in the bucket. So. Yeah, Reem Bum Tory. That sounds. <laughs> Reem That's the one. Reem Bum Tory is my new one. That is just like my lab for sex toys. <laughs> it's my Reem Bum Tory. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny that you say like the premium brands, even like within someone like one of those big houses that has a huge portfolio. Which man, that portfolio episode is gonna be tits. But uh, when you th- when yeah. you think of someone that has a huge portfolio like that, it's you're right about that. What they want to focus on is the premium stuff. Now, like the the meat and potato stuff is is not what it was ten twenty year years ago, right? Like you know, the right. white label or you know your standard one isn't gonna sell. It just it isn't as much, and it's funny to see it on every scale. You see it at the giant places, and you see it at the small places. Cool. Well, I can give you an anecdote. 
I can give you an anecdote on that that I think that backs it up to a certain degree, is I know of at least a couple different craft distilleries that started value products to try and build capital. So in a lot of cases, they were like vodkas or moonshines. And so now they're trying to offload those brands now that their premium and super premium age product products are on the market. It's just, it doesn't make sense for them to hang on to them. So they're trying to increase their capital by selling off these brands. And it's very hard. No one wants to buy these brands. No one wants to buy a value brand on the craft side. It just, it's a hard sell. So I think that goes to the point of, yeah, that's value your, products that's your are great. Three. It's a hard sell. And not only that, like we've at um, Horseware, we ran. <laughs> Horseware is great. <laughs> We ran the numbers on doing, you know, a cheaper value um, product, and honestly, where it, what it comes down to there is, you know, your your grain costs, your ingredient costs, and at the economy right. of scale of a place like us, it's not our ingredient costs that's that's killing our bottle price. It's everything else. It's trying to run. It's trying to pay off, you know, those giant, you know, medium sized stills that cost money. It's paying right. You know the water bill because we can't afford to be super efficient and have everything flow back into that's, a trout-filled lake. And yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Though what you're saying about those, you know, like your vodkas or your white dogs, and it's interesting to talk about. You know, that's part of that portfolio shows. All right, what the hell do you want to make? And if you choose something like that, you kind of have to premiumize. That's not even a word, probably, but you have to premiumize those spirits to begin with right like if you're gonna make yeah. a gin it's gotta be it's gotta be a, good a good gin yeah i mean you know i just bought a bottle of aria uh, i like aria gin i can make yeah. gin without even thinking about it it's you right. know and a good one but i pay for aria because i like them and it's a good gin so that's what gin. they do yeah i don't i don't even yeah. know if he what did they make gin. they make gin yeah they exactly that is their product. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he distills 12 times a year, which is crazy. <laughs> he bought a still that was, he said, like, he can grow, his growth is 800% that he could grow. Yeah, that's what I tell the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I got 800% <laughs> growth in my It's disappointing right now, but yeah. in 800%, you, you have are a going whole to be. inch and a half. Uh, a whole. Yes. Chiotli or yeah. whatever it was called. Chiotli. Yeah. Chipotle. I love Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, all right. I think that covered it really good. Should we have some closing thoughts? Or are we pretty happy with what we've got? We've got a ton yeah. of content to I mean, I got, I got two questions. Two Please. questions. One that's serious is that, okay, what's the next step? Where do we go? What should we listen to? What should we try to do? I have three questions, actually. Okay. Right, so, well, yeah. so our next that step. That one is what's the next step? Our Brian and my personal next step and also anyone who went to the Hill. And then, honestly, anyone who listens to this, just write, write your senators, write your house people, say, hey, we need – I think ACSA has sort of a template that we can follow that they'll yeah. send out for... Is that this, right? This is what you... You should have some up. kind of link to that. We should do that. We could We could possibly... I, I don't do that, links. No, there's, there's, there's too much pornography and viruses out there. I don't think we should link. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> Everything originates. It just links to the Wait, folder. It says, like, family it, pictures. <laughs> is, is the internet not just on my computer? I'm confused <laughs> how this works. 
Brian and I personally are supposed to follow up um, and write everyone we met with and say, hey, thanks for meeting with us. It was great getting a chance to talk with you and you know share our side of the story and everything. But honestly, people who didn't meet should just, you know, the more letters we inundate with them, send them an email and write them a letter. Send them a postcard. FedEx so, them a package uh, with a letter in it. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that says Careful anthrax the packages, on it. Dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's addressed to no, anthrax for the senators. And so, <laughs> dot racks. So one of the things I learned during this fly-in was actually you can send letters, but it's not necessarily recommended. They get so much mail. They get so much shit to soar through that they will almost never see it. The, the representative or the senator will actually never see that. So your best bet is to go there in person, either when they're on recess, find out where they are, and go visit them. Or if you're in D.C., which is not as often, but this is something I found fascinating. I did not realize that once you walk through security, which is literally just a metal detector and very apathetic security guards, that you can walk the entire hall of Congress and walk into any senator or a representative's office without a meeting. You can literally just open the door, say, hey, I want to talk to someone. You almost never talk to the person in charge, but you will talk to a staffer or someone else there will take a message and a note. And that is the most direct way to get your word out there because they will write it down and they put it into a database to say, hey, this person showed up on this day at this time talking about this subject and this was their stance. So you can do that when they're off session as well in your own individual state. And that is the best way to do it. If you can't do that, then call because you will physically talk to one of their interns or staffers, do the same thing and basically say, Hey, here's what's going on. And then no matter whether you call or show up in person, the biggest suggestion I heard that really makes sense is invite them to your distillery. So say, Hey, come out, You basically tell me when it works. We'll schedule a time to do a tour. You come see what we do. Meet the people we employ. Meet the consumers we, you know, we service. And that will get them on board because then they'll get a sense of what's going on. And you can kind of plan ahead. If you know a senator is going to visit you at this date, make sure the farmers you buy grain from are there. So actually make sure you're including agriculture, making sure you're including the people that sell it for them so they know their constituents are on board. So those are the really good steps you can do if you were not at this event. Fucking reach out, get a hold of them, and that will probably get us a little bit closer, hopefully. I don't know. Okay, good. Good Fucking answers. A. I have an idea now. But uh, all right, so second question. Was there, I don't know, you guys didn't mention any of the big boys being involved. Well, it, we did because we talked about Discus doing it a couple okay. weeks before right. us. Okay. So Discus did a secondary, or I should say, they did a fly-in before ACSA, I want to say like two weeks, three weeks before. Yeah, And it was they pretty, had it was primarily big producers. Cool. So they're yep. behind it too then. Correct. Yeah, which which I don't, we may have to, again, cut this, but. I feel like every time we say we should cut this, that's when we should leave it, it in. <laughs> yeah. uh, but kind of. Sex what robot. I, what I, what I came away with from talking about Discus and everything was that, and just how the, the big boys seem to be on board, was that they're more on board because a few years ago, I think we talked about this in, at the Kevin, Kevin Brady lunch, <clears throat> a few years ago, senators were talking about increasing the federal excise tax. And now yes, we're talking were. about you know cutting it. So the big boys, even though it's not a huge tax cut for them, 
they're just happy it's not going, going up. up. So they're yeah. supporting something that'll keep it the same for a long time, same or better for a long time. All right. Then I got my last question, which is the only thing I really care about because I'm a fat alcoholic, is what did you eat and drink? I know you guys went to Jack Rose. I love D.C. I went to it's Jack Rose. I ate a eat. shit ton. Amazing Ethiopian food in D.C., for the record. Brian stole a salad from the hotel. That sounds <laughs> oh, yeah. very, very So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a $12 salad. Oh, Whoa. my God, yeah. Was there <laughs> bacon on it? There better be bacon on it. There was zero fucking bacon. Uh, yeah, we should actually talk about We stayed at the Hyatt Place in D.C., and so we stayed up late that first night because we were waiting for Courtney McKee from Headframe to get in. She was flying in late, and Jake Holshue from Rogue. Uh, they were getting in late, or he was getting in late. So we stayed up to like 3.30 in the morning. And so we were ordering drinks from the Hyatt Place Bar, which had one employee serving a group of like eight of us. And it was one guy, his name was Alex, and he had the heaviest pours I've ever seen in my <laughs> fucking Shout life. Shout out to Alex. Yeah. Alex, you were my hero. We bought like, it was like a $15 shot of Basil Hayden, and I'm pretty sure there was $60 of booze in there. It yeah. was, it was, I, mean, the, I, I think. The ACSA killed a bottle of Lagavulin in ten yeah, minutes. We did. We did. <laughs> so, so anyway, that night we're like closing out. I, I mean, we pay my tab and I grab a salad because I'm hungry and it's like three in the morning. So I'm drunk. Brian wants a snack. I get up to my room. I eat it. I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, did I pay for that? Check my receipt. And I did not pay for that salad. Colton paid for his, which was twelve fucking dollars. Wait, you got a salad? I paid the next morning. Wait, you guys got three a.m. salads? Let's talk about the core issue. Now. <laughs> right. Nothing. Who the fuck gets drunk and they're like, "I want a salad"? <laughs> like nobody. Someone who lives in fucking Washington State. One, I get that. What's my excuse? Yeah, that's my well, Colton. Yeah, what the fuck Colton is doesn't have an excuse. Oh, my excuse is much worse. I didn't get the salad till the next day when I stumbled down, hung over. Yeah. It was the first piece of food I saw. I said, that is mine. Was it a good salad? No. No. It was $13. No, no. There's no way it was that it's 13, good. It was, that was awful. So I go down the next, like, afternoon. I finally go down there because I'm, like, full of shame because I've stolen a salad. And I walk up to the receptionist. I'm like, hey, here's the deal. I stole from you last night. I'm a terrible human. And I hand her my no card. Context. I'm like, I need to, no context. I'm like, I, I had too much to drink. I walked away with a salad. I thought I paid for it. I didn't. Here's my card. She's, like, laughing in disgust. She walks over. And I can see the gears in her mind. She's like, I'm going to have to process this. I'm not give him a salad. I don't want to deal with this. She hands me the card back and goes, thank you for being honest. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Basically just sends me off. So, so I got my salad for free, and I, I got it guilt-free. So Yeah, I know how to steal salads now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, moral of the story, steal and then admit to yeah. it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Sage advice, kids. Like there's a kid listening to this podcast. Yeah, they're he over is, there. He's right over there. there. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So we, you went to Jack Rose. You got to have drink something ridiculous. You're at Jack Rose. There's, would you say, 26,000? 2,600. 20, yeah. I will yeah, say, I, Brian, I, I will never go to Jack Rose with 10 distillers again. Took us 45 minutes to order drinks. Not get drinks, yeah. order drinks. Because everyone take a wants long to time. look through that fucking book. Every right. single thing in that book. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. That took a long time. But it was fucking good when we got it. It was good. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
That place is great. Yeah. Did they, so they put tried the bottle out, out for you? It's like, yeah. It's, they it, put the bottle out. Um, my highlight is like, I got some Pete Week from Westland. Mm-hmm. That's It's one of their like specialty runs. I don't know if they'll ever do it again. It's delightful. Uh, I think I had the lamb that night. So in terms of food and drink, basically I had a lot of single malts and a lot of meat. And it was fucking great. That sounds like my life. To make up for that salad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're just saying that now because oh. you ate a salad at three in the morning. <laughs> right. And and it's worth noting, though, our bill was so fucking massive there because they brought it out. I took photos of it because it was like it was like as long as my torso. They brought out free drinks for us when we closed out the night. That's true. It was what was it? It was they said it was there's only 300 bottles of it and they all brought us they brought every single one person at the table a drink and what was it called? Do you remember? Ooh, no. It was, cool guys. They was did like something really eight. nice and you guys spaced on it. <laughs> We did, we did. I made no note of it. I did no, nothing journalistically about it. I, I just drank threw it. it in my mouth and I swallowed like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much your MO. All right, so what did you drink? Uh, let's see, I had a single barrel Elijah Craig, some specific proof. I had a Connemara cast strength, which I loved. Yeah, Connemara's great. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I really wanted yeah. that 1956 granddad. But it was, you it's, know, it's, $110 a shot. So. Yeah, that's insane. And it's, I mean, how good is it going to be? Not. It's going to be a lot of ethyl carbamate. It's like instantly gives you cancer, yeah. but tastes amazing. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't living, looking to live to a third episode, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to be like a cult classic. There's going to be two episodes, yeah. and one of, the, uh, one of the podcasters died, and the other two are in jail. Yeah. So it's it pretty fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want podcast from Joe? <laughs> that opening, the opening song would be amazing because it would be you Me have a collect a call from the yeah. TU accept. <laughs> so Zeno, tell us more about this toilet hooch you made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, orange drink and bread. How many cigarettes did you pay Big Bob to, <laughs> to get that? I sell Fifi's. <laughs> Just sell Fifi's. I'm the best Fifi crafter in prison. God. Okay. All right. You good? You good, Zeno? Any other? You got one we, more we, question. We solid. No, those were my questions. I, I'm I'm pretty good. I think uh, that was a good that was a good episode. All right. That was a damn good episode of Still Pod, Still Talking Podcast. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. Is. Still Pod Talking. Whatever this thing is uh, that we do. <laughs>